Still, you might have heard this word a lot lately, and I know as the youth director here at Arbor that this is something that, that we've been saying a lot, to be still. It's kind of the theme around the office on staff, and honestly, the theme of Arbor as a whole right now. You know, you've heard us say verses like Psalm 37, where it states, Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. In Psalm 46, where it says, Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, we have said this, we have read this, and I know you have heard this. But I want to ask you, are you still? You know, there's, there's sermons that, that when they're preached, that the sermon is just as much for the preacher as it is for those he's preaching to. And I'll be 100% honest with you guys. That is how I feel about this sermon right now. Because being still is quite difficult for me. You know, you might be just like me right now. Where 2020 has been a little hard. It has been confusing. And if you're a planner just as much as me, it is very hard to plan right now. And you might be like me, where, you know, this is a place that you decided to make your roots. You, for your wife, and for your almost two-year-old son, that this is a place that you wanted to officially call home. So you bought a house and made everything just feel like home. This is where the roots are. But then at work, it just got a little confusing because you might have lost your leadership in whatever company or organization that, that you were part of. And, and it, it caused fear and it caused anxiety and quite honestly made it very difficult to be still. And if you're like me, you are, your mind wanders and you think, like, what, is, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for, for my position? What does this mean for the friends that I have made? What does this mean for the friends that my wife has made the, the lasting relationships. Where, where does this go? What does this mean for my home? Do I, do I lose my home? Do I have to sell my home? How much equity has my home built in these few months? What, what does this mean for me in ministry? What does this mean for just, am, am I still going to be in ministry? Which I've heard that question a lot. My mind just wandered. And it was hard to be still. And after that minute of thoughts, then come a second minute of of hundred other thoughts during this time. Are you like me? But you see, as I was having those moments and, and those moments of just stress and what you'll find out what I call in a little bit wars hit me. There was a moment a few weeks ago where I was sitting on the couch. It was a Monday after a 49er loss. So it was just not great at all in general. And I felt God just next to me, God with me. And it helped me. And it helped me remember where I've been. I can remember where I was years ago when I felt the call to want to be in ministry. And where I am now. And it helped me. It helped me be still. And quite honestly, it, it, it let me be excited about the future that God has me, that God's there, that God is going to take care of me, that God is going to take care of my family, and it helped me to be still. So that's what I want for our church, and that's what I want for you, is the ability to be still. 
So I want to ask you again, are you still? You know, I believe that, that we as humans, we are, we are body, we are mind, and we are spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. And I believe that when one of those are affected, you know, we have a mental state, we have a physical state, and we have a spiritual state. And when one is affected, then the others are affected as well. When one is not still, then most likely the others are not still. So I truly want you to look and examine yourself right now. How are you? Are you still? Mentally, are you still? Or do you find your mind going a thousand different places, just overthinking? You are afraid of where your thoughts could go. Are you mentally still and physically are you physically still? Or do you find yourself rocking or pacing or, or shaking to where the people around you are just as anxious as you're coming across? Are you physically still? And the last one, are you spiritually still? Do you feel at peace in your spirit? Do you feel like the relationship with you and Christ are so close? Or do you feel like there's something there blocking it? Do you feel like there's something blocking his face from you. And you've tried everything you can, everything that you know how to do to, to make that relationship closer, but it just it doesn't seem to be working right now. Spiritually, are you still? See, that's, that's what I want for this. And honestly, that's what we want for this, this Christmas series is to help all of us to be still. And that's the point of this, this, this series, is that we can be still because God is still. And so I want to begin this, this series with helping us get into a place of a mental, a physical, and a spiritual state of being still. So I, I would like you to participate in this exercise with me. And I know it's a little bit silly, but I want everybody, and everybody in this room as well, to close your eyes. And I know there's some parents in here who might have a Christmas tree in the corner and there's a toddler running around and you're afraid of this tree being guardless, but I promise this, this won't be long. But I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to go back in a moment in your mind when the world stood still, where the world was calm. You know, that could be a a time when you were just in front of a fireplace reading a book. Or the last time that you went camping or by the ocean, by a lake. Or it was nighttime and it was snowing outside. Just, just go to that place. You see, still exists. You guys can open your eyes now still exists. Being still does exist. And I know it might feel like a rare sighting right now or even a mythical creature, but we do have those moments in our life where, where it feels like all of our problems are gone. And honestly, that's, that's what I want for us is, is, is that moment of being still. Because here's the thing, when, when you are in that place of still, 
mean, you still have all your problems. You still have all your wars. You still might have your finance. You still might have financial issues, marriage issues, relationships have yet been reconciled, employment issues, or whatever it is you're going through. Those problems still exist. They're just not dictating your thoughts and your actions. That's what being still is. And that's what I think that we can get from this series called Still. Because God is still with us. If we remember that God is doing something in us or through us, it, it could bring us this sense of still. So that's what I'm hoping for, that, that, that through this, we can be still because God. And now, this morning, what I want to talk about is, is a moment in time and history with God's people called the intertestamental period. Now, I know you're, you're probably wondering and asking, this is a Christmas series. Why are we talking about the intertestamental period? What does the intertestamental period have to do with a Christmas story? Well, I would argue that it has, it has everything to do with a Christmas story. Because I believe that when we look back in time, when we look at the history, like when I felt God just with me on that couch, where you can look back into in history and see where we've been, it makes the destination and the arrival that much better. So when we look at the history of God's people and see the miraculous story of Jesus' birth, it can make his arrival that much better. So I want to talk about the intertestamental period. Those of you who do not know what this period is, it is the, the 400 years from the last scripture of the Old Testament to, to Jesus' birth. The 400 years, and is n normally called the 400 years of silence. But what we will find out is they were anything but silent. And what we could really call it is the 400 years of war. See, in my opinion, the best verse that Scripture gives us about the intertestamental period is Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2. And this is what it says. The author writes, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. See, this is my favorite verse on the intertestamental period, because it says that long ago, God spoke to us through prophets. But in these last days, he spe speaks to us through his son. See, there is 400 years in one comma. You see, the reality is we don't have much on the intertestamental period in our scriptures. But what we do have is scholarly work and, and historians who have done the research to help us fill in the gap of what happened in those 400 years. And what we will discover is a lot happened. But what I hope that we see is that God was still working, God was still there, and God was anything but silent. See, the world changed quite a bit for God's people in those 400 years. And I mean, if you think about it logically, 400 years is actually a, a very long time. Within our own history, I wanted to look it up. Like, what happened 400 years ago that would just make us feel the impact of this, this longevity? And 
What I discovered is 400 years ago, within our own American history, was when the Mayflower first set sail. The Mayflower first set sail in the year 1620. So let that sink in. A lot can happen in 400 years. So within God's people, a lot happened. Within those 400 years, we get new terminology that you don't see, you don't find in the Old Testament, such as Sadducees or Pharisees. You get a new place of worship called synagogues that was developed because of the persecution of God's people. And speaking of God's people, this is where they got the name of the Jewish people. See, in the Old Testament, they were called Israelites. And then when we go to the New Testament, it is the Jewish people. So within those 400 years, they even got a name change. So I want to explain the history because when we look at it, we can see that Jesus' arrival is amazing. So if you will listen to my, my history lesson, and I love this because I love teaching the context of Scripture. I love just making it real for all of us. So if you sit back, I'm going to give you a quick history lesson and how each one of these events I'm going to bring up really shaped the world of the New Testament and really shaped the, the world for the Jewish people to really make them realize that they needed a savior. So the first event that I want to talk about, well, first I actually want to, want to tell you where we ended in our Old Testament. Where, where we last ended God's people was Jerusalem just got conquered by Babylon. And then Babylon was soon conquered by the Persian king Cyrus, who allowed the exiles to return and try and rebuild Jerusalem, try to rededicate the temple and rebuild the walls. And we see that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But that is where it ends. That is where the history ends in scripture. But a lot more happened. For instance, one of the big events happened with in uh, 336 BC, when Alexander the Great came, started rising in power. And four years later, as his empire is growing, he, he ends up conquering Palestine. And through his conquering, he was spreading the Greek culture around and making Greek the universal language, which is, which is what we see in the New Testament. So Alexander the Great came into power, took over, was spreading, spreading Greek until the time of his death, which was about 10 years later. And when he died, his empire split. And then it became a, uh, a tug-of-war battle for the people of Jerusalem between Egypt and Syria. And as we fast forward, we'll see that one of the worst events that happened for God's people happened in the year 167 BC when they were being held under Syrian power. There was a ruler by the name of Antichus who wanted to use Judea as a buffer state and wanted to cement his power there by completely demolishing, abolishing, just destroying the Jewish religion altogether. He wanted them to no longer feel like an independent nation, so he desecrated the temple and made it a place that people would worship himself, would worship him, which caused a revolt 
And then three years later, Judas Maccabeus was able to cleanse everything and rededicate the temple for God's people, which is where we get the festival Hanukkah, where the, that was added to the Jewish camp, calendar. A pretty big event, a pretty big event for God's people. Now the last event that really shaped the Jewish people and really shaped the world of the New Testament happened around 64 BC when Rome was growing in power. See, after Rome and a leader named Pompey was defeated Syrian and Judean rule and eventually captured Jerusalem, Pompey committed the ultimate sacrilege, which is where he entered the Holy of Holies. Now, for the Jewish people's belief, only one man was allowed to enter the Holies of Holies, and anybody else would be destroyed in that moment. But here you have a Roman ruler able to walk into the Holies of Holies and walk out untouched. You see, this caused political tension. This caused an ultimate hatred for Rome that would shape the New Testament where they just could never forgive and never forget what the Roman rule did to them. And there was no new Judas to to cause a revolt. In fact, his heirs started compromising with the Roman leaders, which just caused even more tension. And you see, that was the political power to the time of Jesus' birth. That happened in those 400 years of silence. And honestly, it, it could show the people that they needed the Son of God, which is what they were waiting for, was the Son of God to overtake Rome. But you might be asking yourself a question that honestly, anytime I read the intertestamental period that I ask, and you could be asking this question within your own lives, but it is, where was God? Where is God? The answer, he was working. See, God was doing something. How do I know this? Because everything in the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, everything that you read points to Jesus, points that we need a Savior, points that the Savior is coming, that the Savior is coming and it is going to be the greatest thing for God's people. I don't believe that that stopped in those 400 years. I don't believe that God put that on hold in those 400 years. I don't believe that God went silent for those 400 years. I think God was still working. God was still getting his people ready to make that miraculous event happen. It was just going to be that much greater because of everything they went through. See, the the Hebrew author in in Hebrews 1.6 writes this, to remind his readers what God said of what he was going to do. In Hebrews 1, 6, he says, and again, when he brings a firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And as we'll see in this miracle story, that that happens. See, God was still working, and he was telling his people what that work was going to be. God was not silent. But now... I need to answer the question that some of you have in your own life. Is where is God? Where is God?
And I want to give you the same answer. God is still working. God is not silent. And I know right now, I know right now you might feel like you are in the intertestamental period. I know right now it may feel like God is silent because some of you have some real wars going on in your life. You have financial wars. You have marriage wars. You have relationships that have yet been reconciled wars. You have employment wars, and you just feel this anxiety and this stress, this anxiousness that's not allowing you to be mentally, physically, or spiritually still, and you just want to yell to God, where are you? But hear me, God is not done. God is not silent. God is there. I want to go back to that verse in Hebrews. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, which is, my opinion, the best verse on the intertestamental period. I want to read to you again. It says, long ago, at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The author says, long ago, God spoke to us by his prophets. The author right here is referring to the Old Testament. When God would speak through one for all. You know, this is what we see when we read and, and read about Samuel, when we read about Malachi, when we read about Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, this is the Old Testament, the way the life was in the Old Testament. But you see, that didn't change in the new. The person changed, and that is Jesus. And that is the same person today. The writer, the author writes that God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by, our, by his son. These last days. The author uses a demonstrative pronoun to show us how the distance between the noun days. And for us, that distance is close. It is nearby. It is now. It is yesterday. It is today. It is forever that Jesus is speaking to us these days. That Jesus is working in us. That Jesus is working through us. And Jesus is working to us. So the question of where is God the answer is he is near. And he is still working. And I know that it may seem silent right now. But I promise you, he is anything but. He is near. And he is working. Just like in the intertestamental period, God was not done working. He was still preparing his world for his son. Because he knew that his world would need his son and continue to need his son. In church, we need his son. We need his son. So that is why the miracle birth story that we're going to hear in these few weeks means that much more because of everything that they went through, everything that God's people went through, and honestly, everything that you are going through. See, we can be still because God is still working. God is still working. He's not silent. 
Now, here's the reality. The wars that you have are real. And knowing God is working in you, through you, and to you. It doesn't take those away. However, knowing God will make those bearable. Just like that moment earlier, that moment where you, where you thought of that place where the world was still. Your problems weren't non-existent. They just didn't control your thoughts. See, knowing God will do that. Knowing God can help us to be still because we know that God is working, that we know God is doing something, that God is there, that God is not silent. God can get us through this. God can get you through that. He can get us through 2020 and whatever 2021 has in store for us. And let's be honest, 2020 has felt like the intertestamental period, the 400 years in one year. But God can get us through it. God can get you through your financial problems. God can get you through your marriage problems. God can get you through your relationship problems. God can get you through your employment problems. God can get you through whatever that problem is that is on your mind right now, that is causing you to not be mentally, physically, or spiritually still. God can get you through that. And if you want, if you want, to, if you want help to know how, let's do what Psalm 37 says, to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Or Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And look at your own history, just like we did with the intertestamental period. Look at where God has you to where you were. Everything that you went through before to where you are now, just remember how God has been working and he will continue to work. But if you're listening to me, watching me, and you're just yelling at your screen, Brian, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how hard this year has been. Well, let me know. Let me know. Let us partner with you here at Arbor. There's ways for you to do that. If you're watching this sermon on our platform, on our website, click that button that says prayer request. We have people ready to pray for you for whatever wars that you're going through. Or use the connection card in the description. Fill it out. Tell us what's going on. And let us show you that God is working. And if you're sitting there watching this and thinking, well, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care. Well, I promise you, Pastor Allison cares. And she will continue to care. Reach out to her and see how she can care for you. Let us show you that God is still working. So before I, before I pray us out, I want us all, again, to go back to that place in our mind, that place of still, wherever it is. I want you to get there before you hear the prayer. Lord, thank you for those moments 
that we can be still. Thank you for those moments where it just feels like the world shuts off, whether it's for a second, whether it's for a day. Lord, I pray for the people of Arbor and the people listening to this that they can get more of those moments from you, that they know that they can get through anything because they have you. Lord, we need your presence now more than ever. And Lord, I pray that you can, you can put it on the hearts of anybody listening to this that, that really needs to reach out to somebody. I, I pray that you put it on their hearts. Let them do it. And God, help us as a church to partner with them and show them how you're working. God, be with Arbor as we're finishing out this year. and Be with the world as we are finishing out this year. Lord, we love you, and we pray this thing in your precious name. Amen. Well, thanks for watching. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the start of our Be Still series. Uh, keep joining us as we are moving closer to hearing the miracle story of Jesus' birth. I love you, Arbor. <laughs>